They gave him a bump. Feet out in front. The big save by Leonard. Closing to his right. Puck goes around behind the goal. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. And live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Colasar again down low. Right side he shoots. Knocked down. Theodore fires. And he scores. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews. And breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. If you're headed into the rink, T-Mobile Arena on the strip on this Thursday night, I think you're going to see a pretty good hockey game between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild, uh, teams that know each other uh, intimately from last year in a seven-game series in the Stanley Cup playoffs and met eight times during the regular season. It was Vegas that came out on top uh, last spring to advance to the second round and face the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the Minnesota Wild took a big step a year ago in their development. Uh, wasn't sure whether or not they'd be able to follow that up, but they have with a great start uh, through the first 12 games with a record of 9-3. and three. The Golden Knights aiming to get two games above 500 for the first time this year. Enter tonight with a 7-6 and six mark. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace in Section 104 of T-Mobile Arena. One more hour of the VGK Insider Show before the Vegas Golden Knights pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the VGK Radio Network. Uh, this has all the markings of a game with a little more bite than what we've witnessed so far this year as we get back to seeing some of the other teams. This is, okay, we remember those guys, and there's a few guys over there that we don't really like. Yeah, the the playoff series between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild last year uh, – checked off all the boxes right there were some really really interesting games there was a lot of goal scoring there were some big saves and quite frankly there was a lot of bad blood there were there were two teams that over the course of 15 games learned to hate each other and I don't think that that has gone away at all I think that you know tonight there's going to be um, some physicality to the Golden Knights game that I don't think we've really seen that much this year. Like, this is a team that's kind of moving in a different direction when it comes to physicality, but I think the Minnesota Wild are going to draw it out of them tonight. Is this a VGK Insider Show record for longest we've ever gone into a program, and we're now into hour number two, without talking about a game involving the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights, and not bringing up the fact that Minnesota has the Golden Knights number? Did the playoff series victory eliminate that narrative? It's, it sure did, um, kind of going into this game. But I, I think if, if Minnesota comes out here and the Golden Knights don't fare well or they, they don't show well, then I think we kind of go back into, into that narrative a little bit. Um, but, I, I mean, it's hard to say that a team has your number when the only playoff series you've played between them, you win, right? Like, for the Golden Knights... The fact of the matter is, when it all when it all came down to, you have to win a game in Game Seven. You've got to find a way. The Golden Knights were clearly the better team in that game, and in in essence, like now it's Minnesota that's looking to avenge that loss and not the other way around. Uh, Matthias Yamark scored the hat trick in that decisive Game Seven. He led all skaters with points. Uh, in uh, in that series with six points, three goals, and three assists. He was the hero for the Vegas Golden Knights who won a playoff series on home ice, closed out a playoff series on home ice for the first time ever. Uh, he's still looking to get back on track right now and mm-hmm. admitted uh, coming off the COVID uh, diagnosis and dealing with that that it's uh, it's taken him some time, and it's been... 
definitely not not your general process, but physically, it's been a challenge as he goes along, trying to feel better and better every night. Yeah, you're you're not you're absolutely right. Like with Matthias Janmark, and and I appreciated how candid he was in those yeah. comments, right? Like. Oftentimes, we think if a player's in the lineup, they're 100%. Or if a player's in, a li- in the lineup, they should be at this level or whatever the case may be. So it was it was nice to hear from Matias that, that where he's at in his game, um, he, he doesn't feel like he's where he wants to be or should be and gave the reasoning behind it. Now, I do think that he's been getting better and better every single game. And, you know, it'd be nice to see him find the back of the net. It'd be nice to to see him get a couple of points and you know the last time he played minnesota it ended in a hat trick and he was he was a hero and a legend in this city because of it maybe he's got a little bit more magic here tonight against the minnesota wild he's uh, he was an unrestricted free agent after last season and i was really hoping that he would resign because the guy that scores the the hat trick in a game seven to win a series on home ice should be able to come back and enjoy some of that and be be recognized and 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 spend more than than a few months uh with with the vegas golden knights and uh he he did that and he is back and tonight is the night that he does secure his spot in the score sheet because well here listen to me okay what what happened what was what was the scenario when he scored the hat trick? He needs to produce. He needs no. He needs what was goals. the scenario? It was it was, it was game seven? Game seven. Yeah. Tonight. Home game. Uh huh. Home oh, game. Gosh. Oh my god. Home gosh. game seven. You're, you're you're reaching my. So friend. it's home game seven. Yeah. It's against the Minnesota Wild. So we've got a game seven. We've got the Minnesota Wild. We've got Matthias Janmark ready to go. I'm calling my shot tonight. That Matthias Janmark will play a role offensively tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights. Just the, the, the stars don't align like that just for fun and games. It's got to mean something, man. Yeah, you're reaching. I'm telling you. Like, I think Matthias Janmark will have a good game, but I, I don't think it's because it's home game number seven. Hmm. It's all part of the plan by the man upstairs. Uh, Pete DeBoer was asked today about the Minnesota Wild. Just uh, what, what do you see? This because this is a different team. Uh, Ryan Suter's no longer with the organization. Zach Parise's moved on. Both the uh, uh, guys that were signed to those big contracts back in the, in 2013 uh, are gone. So what are the Minnesota Wild? Here's Pete DeBoer. They're going to be motivated. Um, they're also healthy and off to a great start and a very good team. So uh, I think I think first in the conference or division anyway, uh, their division. So. Um, you know, it's going to be a, I mean, all those factors are going to lead to this being a real big test for us. And, uh, you know, as tough as the Seattle game was, this is a whole nother level here. Don't hear that from coaches very often Mm -hmm. where you say, okay, that game was, that game was tough and it was coming off the road and Seattle wasn't very happy because they lost to Arizona. That was, uh, that was more of a, a, a mud pit fight. And this, this, this is more of a track meet with with the Minnesota Wild, where a team that can get up and down the ice has a whole lot of skill and first in the division. It's it's going to be a different hockey game tonight than we witnessed on Tuesday. Oh, one hundred percent. The Minnesota Wild are are as good and talented high end as they are deep. 
Like, this is a deep team that can roll you over in a lot of different ways. The skill is there. The depth is there. Um, the excitement level with how they play, which is just it, – it's amazing to me that we're now two years into Minnesota being fun. Uh, but they're fun. They're, they're exciting. It's, it's going to be a really, really entertaining hockey game. And it's up to the Golden Knights to make it not so. It's up to Vegas to try to take that element away from Minnesota. Uh, the New Jersey Devils a couple of years ago uh, – showed real promise and they they caught a lot of teams off guard because they had injected some significant skill and changed their philosophy and and became not just to sit back but skated and played a north-south game uh, with some skill i think minnesota did that in the same regard last year certainly skill Mm -hmm. changed their philosophy with Billy Guerin and then Dean Evason as the head coach, and they were able to uh, have the buy-in and the tools to make that work. And it surprised teams, even within the division, when you're playing the same team over and over, there's a default when the Minnesota Wild are the opposition that it's the same old Minnesota Wild. This goes back to the start of the franchise. Mm -hmm. They are legitimately entertaining now. And trying to get your head around that and match that is something that I think is still an ongoing part of the National Hockey League. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. It's it's drastic and it's effective. And there are teams that that I, I think when when you play Minnesota, your your expectation doesn't meet what you see on the ice. This is a team now that can can beat you off the rush. They're looking for chances. They're looking for ways uh, to kind of open things up, and that's so antithetical to way to the way that they played for their entire history that it, it becomes kind of a kind of an exercise in psychology of not allowing what you think the team to be to infiltrate your head when you're trying to deal with what's actually on the ice in front of you. Minnesota Wild, uh, on the flip side, also haven't faced the misfits too, and that is uh, Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith. And Nick Waugh, mm-hmm. this new line in the absence of, of William Carlson. Marcheseau, Smith, and Waugh are 2-3-4 in team point production right now. They have carried the load for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Jonathan Marcheseau today was asked about his new center and what Nick Waugh brings to the table. Uh, the way he holds on to puck, uh, I think it gives us a lot of uh, time for me and Riley to just support him we like to play close uh, close to each other and uh he's a guy that holds on to puck and he's stuff to uh, he's tough to uh take the puck away from him so uh we're definitely using that as our advantage and he's been i think he's been doing great i mean he's good in draws he's good in the ozone he's good in the d zone he's 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 everywhere he's talkative too makes it easy on everybody on the ice so uh i think his game has uh improved a lot since uh, he first came here and right now I think it's as good as it's ever been. Very similar to William Carlson, diff- different shots. Uh, they shoot the different different hand, but uh, very similar in their defensive zone makeup. Very good when they don't have the puck. Mm-hmm. And then you see the confidence that's been gained by Nick Waugh and uh, this is this is what the coaching staff asked of him in the exit interview. What one thing that Pete DeBoer is great at is being uh, flat out honest with us about uh, a lot of what the conversations are between the end of a year and the start of the year. 
And the the discussion with Nick Waugh at the end of last season was take what you were doing in the back half of the season, especially in that series against Montreal when he was a force and one of the better forwards, take that and carry it over to this season. And while he got hurt in training camp, uh, he's done a good job of being able to shrug that off and capitalize on his opportunity. I think he's changing uh, the way the organization is going to look at him uh, when everybody's back and healthy. Yeah, I, I think you're 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 right there. Like with with what Nick Waugh is doing right now, and you look at it just in terms of his point production, right? Like his his impact on Marcia Owen Smith and how they've been able to carry the load in in the absence of of the players out for the Golden Knights. But that's also as the line that opposition's going to clue in on. Mm-hmm. Like, that has to count for something, too, because it's one thing if Nick Waugh was stepping into this role, say William Carlson got hurt, but you still had your top line of Stone, Stevenson, and Pacioretty. It's, this line's kind of the driver, and that's, that's been about it with the exception of Chandler Stevenson and Will Carrier uh, coming on the last couple of games. But the fact that he's doing it as a true, in this situation, one C yeah. as, as the anchor of that line that, that the opposition comes in saying, shut them down. We have a good chance to win that even, even holds a little bit more weight in my eyes with what Nick Waugh is doing and how good he can be in the right context. This one C thing that's relatively new in our lingo it's in, not, the, in the hockey lingo with the, with, with in the media and the way they report it. Just call on a number one center. Why don't? Why are we changing him? We change breakouts to zone exits. Um, like, why are we always changing things? I like things the way they used to be. All right, go yell what's, at a cloud, Darren. What's wrong with that? That cloud staring at one me. One uh, C is there. easier than first line center. Really? Yeah. Huh. There was there was a name that you were trying to shorten the earlier in the year, and I can't remember what it is. Hmm. Chapman, do you do you remember? Greatness? I unfortunately do not. He doesn't remember what he had for lunch. Actually, I do remember what I had for lunch today. Oh, I thought you were going to say, actually, I, I do remember what you were talking about. But. <laughs> no, no. I, Man, I, I don't know. I, I'm, it, I'm drawing a blank. On, I'm sure there was a lot. Do you think the peacock feathers are out oh, a little bit? Oh, in yeah. Riley Smith and no, 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 no hold on. It was Oliver Ekman Larson. You wanted to go OEL. 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 That's yeah. right, yeah. People are calling him OEL. I, I battled against that for a long time. I lost that battle. No, no, no. You said you wanted to call him OEL. Yeah. But you said you were going to do it. Yeah. OEL. You, you should be steadfast. If you if you are, are upset about 1C, you should be steadfast to never use OEL ever. I know. I, I, I banned that from our show. You are in Toronto. From, the from people here. calling him that because I thought it was the goofiest thing in the world. Just call him Oliver Ekman Larson. And now I find I, I throw it out there every now and then. Weird. Uh, yeah, really weird. And But I, I still don't understand why you do that. Just His name's Oliver Ekman Larson, and he's the Vancouver Canucks, and he's going to be here on the weekend. Yep. But before that, we've got the Minnesota Wild. Hey, just want to finish the thought on, on Marcia So and Smith and Wah. We know where... Nick Waugh is in trying to develop his game and take that next step. That's part of the the plan and the hope from within the organization. But Smith and Marchessault have taken uh, a backseat in a lot of ways to Pacioretty and Stone Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. I think the tail feathers are out a little bit. Feeling good. 
if it was me, it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really enjoying this time where the pressure's on me to perform as Jonathan Marshall or, or Riley Smith, and I have to perform for my team to have success again, and I am performing and leading this team to a plus 500 record right now. It's, it's an opportunity to prove yourself all over again. Mm. It's an opportunity, honestly, to tap into that misfit identity that they had in year one. Yeah. Where it, it, the pressure's on you. You've got to perform. And, and if, if you do, you own it. If you don't, you own it. And what I think you're seeing is inspired play from Marcia So and Smith because that pressure's on them, and they revel in that. They love it. Smith has uh, changed his game a little bit. He's tied for the lead in shots on, on the Vegas Golden Knights. He's finished higher than fourth. <laughs> On the team, usually it's Marcia So uh, or Pacioretty once, but it's Marcia So, and Smith is is taking uh, a more assertive role with the team. Paid off the uh, the other night. Uh, Braden McNabb helped change the momentum of the game against the Seattle Kraken with a big uh, hip hip check, uh, back check, uh, bummy check, whatever terminology you want to use. But it's a, like a roadblock when players come down there, and he had some interesting comments regarding that type of play uh, at this morning's media session honestly i don't know it's a lot of it's just timing um i've been doing it for a while now so it's uh there's situations where you know it's a green light to do it and times where you you know you shouldn't so uh, just experience with it and uh timing like i said is the biggest part of it and uh yeah that's it's a fun part for me and i think it gets momentum for the team and anytime i could make a big hit it, uh, it helps the team yeah, honestly, those kind of hits didn't really... I played my first NHL game, and I did it. It's happened, and I'm like, holy smokes, I guess. <laughs> so, I, yeah, in junior, I always had big hits, but it was more open ice, nothing really against the walls. But, yeah, it just kind of started when I got to the NHL. I knew I had to do something to stay, and being physical was part of it. And um, So, yeah. Yeah, maybe it, it, it can be tough. I mean, it's you're kind of... It's an all-in play, you know, so... You gotta be, you gotta be good at it, and you gotta time it well. And if you miss, you know you could look pretty dumb doing it. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think I've maybe I've gotten better with it just because not trying to do it so much uh, and take myself out of the play. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's just with experience with it. Uh, yeah, about the same. I'd say, yeah, big hits like a goal for me. So it's uh, anything to help the team get momentum, uh, energy. I, I like to do. Yeah, you know, definitely sometimes, uh, you know, no matter if it's me or anyone else, if you get a big hit, you know, we kind of came out lagging a little bit. And um, if it's me or someone else who gets a big hit, you know, it can energize, energize the group. So that's good. Uh, yeah, as years gone on, you, you notice it for sure. Uh, it's, you know, skill guys, they're, they're smart guys. They, they, they know. Um, but you get play against teams that you don't play against very often. You can capitalize sometimes. I didn't realize that we asked him that many questions about the hit. Shane Knighty <laughs> was bugging me after the, the news conference. We, we really spent like 20 minutes talking about hits. Yep. And it sounds like we almost did spend 20 minutes talking about hits. Jason Chimera is the guy that Braden McNabb hit with that first big check. Wow. Uh, that he comes through. And uh, that was impressive that, uh, that Braden was able to recall who he hit. So credit Dave Gosher with asking uh, that question today uh, to Braden. But he, he acknowledges in, in McNabb that players are a little leery about coming down that side and trying to just squeeze through 
that area when McNabb's patrolling the far boards. Got to make it tough on him, right? And and I think with Braden, the, the the biggest key for me is it's not an every game thing for him. He picks his spots, and and more often than not, he connects when he he lines somebody up for that hit. And you know, as he mentioned, you miss, it's all in, right? And, and if if you miss, it, it can it can be disastrous for your team, but. Braden McNabb is, is uh, got it down as close to perfect as a player can. He, his timing's impeccable, and, and he just picks his spots so well. Have you seen him miss? I don't know. I, I don't know that I have here. Yeah, I don't I know mean, that like, I have. Like, there By been, the way, good on you for admitting that because it would be easy to say, yeah, a couple of times, but I, I don't remember him I, having a whiff on that play. I don't I don't think so. I, I mean, there. I think there are times where maybe it's not as clean or as flush and, and a guy can kind of squeak out the other end, but – Beyond that, I, I I don't recall. I don't. I don't know. remember him getting penalized for being late either. Because no. if, if it's late, and we saw that on the other side last week, yeah. When you're late on that type of play, it can be nasty. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's he's stellar at delivering that hit. He really is. And and when you get it right, and you you have one of those big moments within a game everyone starts to question what they're doing when it comes to bringing the puck inside the zone. Why don't more people do it? Because I think it's hard. I, I think I think it's hard. Like, it's, it's I mean, if you miss, mm-hmm. it, it can be disastrous, right? Like, if you miss, you might as well just skate back to the bench and, you know, apologize to everybody. Well, I think most times you're going to the penalty box for interference. I, I'm talking about more just missing the yeah. player entirely. They come in, it's two-on-one or three-on-two, whatever the case. I, why don't more players do it? I just think because it's a hard skill to master. And and when we watch Braden McNabb, I, I think we get lulled into this false sense of security that it's something easy to do because he does it so well. Imagine running into that guy. No. Full steam. And mm. do, do you call it a hip check? Do you call it a back check? Because it's uh. it's almost like that because he, he hits you with his numbers. Uh, I've heard bummy check is a great one. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I grew up watching Rob Blake, so it's mm. it's a it's a hip check in my mind all day long. Um, but it's devastating. But it's, like, it's not the same as Blake's check. It, it's not. It's different. You're right. It, it's just for me, like it that type of play is always going to be a hip check to me. It is, and he's so good at it. And I don't want. I, I would never ever want to be on the receiving end of one of those I th- he's so good at it and and i say that with the backing of the referees are waiting for defensemen to reach out and get in the way and interfere with it with a dump in a yeah. chip in and Braden's ability to know when they're going to chip it and when they are going to try and carry it in is really talented he that shows you that he's got more beyond just the physical skills mm-hmm. that he's able to read the game which is another way of saying hockey sense yeah like strong hockey sense to be able to visualize and anticipate what's going to happen on that that wing you know it's interesting because as you as you say why don't more players do it why aren't more players just trying to get rid of the like when they see Braden McNabb lining him up mm-hmm. just try to get rid of the puck to draw a penalty they can't do it because he's so good and his timing is so impeccable by the time they realize they're going to get hit, it's too late. Well, they probably would never try to get by him if they didn't think that they were they were had a leg up on him. And then out of nowhere, oh, such a mistake comes this great white shark breaching with a seal in its mouth. That's Braden McNabb <laughs> popping you into the sideboards, right as you think you're fine, you're gone. 
streaking down the boards. Brady McNaught slams India. Oh, when we continue, an update that Ryan Wallace is going to be very interested in regarding an injury in the National Hockey League and a couple of other accomplishments on the ice when it comes to on-ice production. It's the VGK Insider Show live from T-Mobile Arena from Section 104 ahead of the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot and he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. This time yesterday, the hockey world was learning that the Anaheim Ducks and general manager Bob Murray were parting ways, Murray resigning. Uh, the assistant general manager, Jeff Solomon, takes over. An interesting choice that Solomon is the interim general manager because he's the newest person in the fold from the management structure there. Uh, we have uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Dave Nonis, uh, who's been around there for a number of years. Solomon comes over, basically capologist, uh, from the Los Angeles Kings, won a couple of Stanley Cups uh, over there. But uh, Solomon gets the reins for right now, but the Anaheim Ducks uh, say that they are sticking with their plan of uh, an extensive search for a general manager. Solomon's the interim GM, but the overall direction of the organization will not change. Uh, Solomon saying, nothing has changed for me. I'm going to lean on Dave Nonis and company for an inclusive structure with this uh, this hockey club? Well, things are, are looking up for the Anaheim Ducks on the ice, at least. Uh, you got some young players that are, are filling in nicely to roles. Troy Terry's off to a fantastic start for Anaheim, so um, stay the course, move in the right direction, and find your guy. Take your time. Uh, Chris Chapman, can you tell me the score of the Los Angeles Ottawa Senator game? as it takes place right now in the nation's capital of Ottawa. Ottawa. Well, uh, what'd you call it? Ottawa. Okay. Well, the Kings just scored, so they take a one nothing lead. Okay. Uh, interesting there that it's a one nothing lead. Ottawa is missing nine players who have been placed into COVID protocol. Uh, they were on a road trip uh, last week. Uh, stops included uh, Dallas. They were warned by their general manager before they went on the road trip because it was his first trip uh, to the United States, and uh, just said, hey, make sure everybody takes care of themselves. We know it's the first big road trip. Uh, let's uh, not go crazy and go uh, all over the place. Well, I don't know whether that has anything to do with it or not, but they come back, and nine players are in COVID protocol. Not good. They're still playing the game, though. They uh, are. Sokolov and Brunstrom have both been recalled, uh, two players that were involved in the Mark Stone transaction a couple of year, years ago, get their recall from the American Hockey League and Belleville. Uh, one nothing, Los Angeles in that. The Kings going for a seventh straight victory. They've been good. Where did you see that coming? Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't. I Well, I mean, where did who who came into this this season thinking that the three California teams would be higher up the standings than the Golden Knights 13 games in? I don't think anybody, but I think it's a testament to, you know, we haven't talked enough about the Sharks, but the start to their season through some adversity. Uh, and the LA Kings, they're just kind of finding their groove. And they're, they, with LA, it's, it's interesting because we, we talk about the youth movement with Anaheim, with the Kings. It's been on the shoulders of Andre Kopitar. Like Andre Kopitar, Dustin Brown. No Doughty. No Doughty. Without Doughty, right. Like that's that's key here too. Uh, although Doughty early on in the season was lighting it up because 
very, very confident player that wants to play in the Olympics. Uh, but it's been the veterans for L.A. and Jonathan Quick in net that have been driving the bus for the Kings early on this season. We have a fine for diving slash embellishment. Tony D'Angelo of the Carolina Hurricanes has been told that he must forfeit $2,000. Uh, he's already been warned once, and the second infraction leads to a $2,000 fine. The next step is a $3,000 fine. Then it goes up to four. But here's the best part. The fifth time that he's caught for embellishing or diving, his coach, Rod Brindamore, has to pay a $2,000 fine. <laughs> I, I won't say one way or the other whether Tony D'Angelo is going to get busted a third time or a fourth time for this and end up paying a, a total of $9,000 in fines. Uh -huh. But I'm willing to bet that there's no way that he gets caught a fifth time if Rod Brindamore is going to have to pay a $2,000 fine because Tony D'Angelo is spicing up plays on the ice and diving or embellishing. So my take on this is go for the gold, Tony. Like, just go for it. I, I want to see – I legitimately – legitimately want to see what chaos rains down on Tony D'Angelo if he causes Rod Brendamore to get fined. Let's go. Just let's go. Come on, Tony. Go for it. They played 11 games. Yeah. I, I, He's been nabbed for diving twice I in 11 games. Do it three more times. I dare you. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be so fun. It's one of the best rules that they, they put in. Is that a coach? Now, I would like it if the coach got fined after three diving infractions or embellishment. I wish it didn't take five times before the coach got brought into things. Well, but, but I think it's a it's a great rule that the coach gets nabbed uh, if the player repeatedly dives. You have to really make sure it's a pattern and not just coincidence. You can't do that after three times. You can't. I, I think we all know the that, divers. That was dripping. And those that are dri okay. that was dripping with sarcasm. Sorry. I apologize. I didn't catch that. Uh, Rick Nash, congratulations. He will have his number 61 retired by the Columbus Blue Jackets in March before a game against the Boston Bruins. He played for the uh, Boston Bruins. we got a story about that in just a second. Mm. But uh, that's pretty impressive. He broke in, uh, was uh, such a franchise player, scored 50 goals, and uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, a career that he had, still lives in the area, and much deserved. Uh, he will have that number 61 retired, former captain. Yeah, massive, massive player for that organization. And you said it right, franchise player. He was everything Mr. Columbus Blue Jacket. Uh, Well-deserved honor for Rick Nash. He's the franchise leader in games played, goals, assists, and points. Played nine seasons uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets before he was traded to the New York Rangers. Now, when, when, when Rick Nash played for the Boston Bruins, we were doing uh, a Bruins. No, we weren't doing a Bruins game, but we were doing some kind of update at an intermission. Uh, and Kipper and I were, were on the show. And I said, you know, I can't believe Rick Nash is only playing whatever number of minutes. And he's like, yeah, me too, except it's Riley Nash. I just did the same thing because there was Rick <laughs> Nash and Riley Nash, and we were both looking at the, the R Nash. We weren't looking at it close enough. Yeah. And uh, just one of those things that, uh, that, that you get caught on because you just don't take that extra step or you, do, you just – 
assume, like, what, what, what's going on? Uh, I'll never forget that. But what? How, how, can, how can they not be playing Rick Nash more than that? Doesn't, uh, doesn't make any sense. Hall of Fame weekend coming up this weekend. Uh, the inductions will take place on Monday. So we'll have more on that on tomorrow's program. Uh, as we go through all the inductees and uh, different people, we'll have the, maybe a bit of a debate uh, tomorrow uh, regarding the uh, the future of uh, players that are that are eligible and going in. But uh, it's going to be Marion Hosa, uh, one of those that are going to uh, be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, a, a former teammate of, of Shane Naughty. He was he was a powerful guy, and boy did he earn his earn his Stanley Cups. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, Marion Hosa for a six-year stretch played, I think, more hockey than any human alive, really. Like, when you when you factor in uh, losing with the Penguins in the Cup Final, then losing with the Red Wings in the Cup Final the next year, then going to Chicago and finally breaking through, like, that, that was a, a wild three-year stretch uh, for Marion Hosa and, and the journey it took for him to get to the Stanley Cup final and and win eventually win a Stanley Cup. That 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 Penguin team that that lost to Detroit and then he switches teams yep. and then he loses to the team that he was just on. So good. That's one of the cruelest cruelest turnarounds in professional sports. Uh, we have uh, a report that Mike Smith of the Edmonton Oilers suffered a setback and no. has returned to Edmonton. So it's Stuart Skinner and Koskinen, the goaltenders for the Edmonton Oilers right now. But uh, disappointing news from Mike Smith. I, I bring that up to you because you being not the biggest fan of Mike Smith, but there's. Uh, well, the, I don't want to. I don't like. I don't want him to be hurt. No, like, no, it's no, a no. Bummer that he, he had a setback. But you know, for me, like Mike Smith, I don't. I I wouldn't commit. I wouldn't go to your uh, to your contract extension like you got. Like. I, there's too many question marks surrounding his age and injury status. So, I won't judge him uh, his whole season on this, but uh, he was off to a great start, and uh, now has been uh, bit by the by the injury bug. You know, the, there's some talk is Mark Andre Fleury in Edmonton. Just a little bit. No, it's being downplayed in almost every corner. Yeah, but it's resurfaced again. So, I think we we spoke a little bit the other day about Tuka Rask. Like, if if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, that's the direction I go if Tuka Rask is open to playing somewhere other than Boston because it's a much cheaper transaction than going out and trying to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury, whose cap hit is yeah. $7 million here. But I wouldn't hate it for the Edmonton Oilers. I think they need an upgrade in goal. I just do. That's, that's how I see them winning in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I don't think a tandem of... Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen is going to get it done. I just don't. Uh, we uh, are tracking this uh, schedule tonight in the National Hockey League. And uh, on this busy night, uh, Anaheim is going to continue its road trip up against the Seattle Kraken. First visit by the, uh, the Anaheim Ducks into that building. Vancouver is here on the weekend. They face Colorado. Vancouver's had a, like a hot and cold start. And Colorado, like that's two interesting teams where... The start of their season could be made or, or faded away here in the next couple of days. You know, I, I think that what's happening right now with the Colorado Avalanche and dealing with some of the injuries that they've had and now being without Nathan McKinnon for the next three weeks, 
I think Colorado has to shape that as as a we've got to find more in the arsenal to win hockey games and we have to add layers to our overall team game and if they do that I think they're better off for it in the long run at the end of the season and into the playoffs so um, I would shape it that way um, and then it, like the Vancouver Canucks I, I think that you kind of have a slow start for Pedersen and Hughes because they missed so much training camp but you know, I, I, I still look at the Vancouver Canucks like Thatcher Demko's good. They've got some really intriguing pieces. Connor Garland is a pain in the butt to play against. Like, I'm curious to see what the Vancouver Canucks look like against the Golden Knights because they're revamped a bit, and I think a, a better hockey team for it. Connor Garland can spice up a game all by himself. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen him do it here. Brought relevance to the Coyotes. Yeah, against uh, Mark Stone at yep. the end of that one game. Wow. Uh, we have a couple of tickets to give away to next Thursday's game against the Detroit Red Wings. What number should we go with tonight, given that it's the Minnesota Wild in town? Minnesota Wild, uh, let's go with number 24. Why? Matt Dumba. Good. All right. Number 24, that's the caller number that we're looking for right now, 702-820. No, 702-870. What's the number? Thirteen seventy. No, no, no. I, uh, five, five, guys, five. Okay, one, everyone, two, one, two. Everybody listening, don't listen to Darren. It's seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. That's the number I was looking for. Yeah, I don't. You were never going to find it. Eight seven six thirteen forty. Be caller number twenty four. I got that right. Good job. On Fox Sports Las Vegas. We'll be right back. <laughs> When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Christopher? Darren? Christopher? That, that's the in cue to your segment. Yes, well, last night, or 25 years ago, yesterday, was one of the all-time great goalie fights between Ron Hextall and Felix Potvin. They... Uh, they there was a little bit of a brawl in the Flyers-Maple Leafs game, and Hextall just skated across the ice. And or I'm sorry, yeah, Hextall skated across the ice where Potvin was waiting for him, and uh, they traded blows, and it ended. It was a pretty good fight. I mean, jerseys pulled off, guys wrestling. One of the all-time great goalie fights. Potvin didn't want to fight. Well, he had no choice at that point, right? No, no. Ron went all the way down the ice and skated 200 feet literally 200 feet because Potvin was behind the net against the end boards at the other end and all the way down the ice Ron's trying to get his his glove hand uh free of the trapper and by the time he got there I'm convinced Ron was winded by the time he got there and that's part of the reason why he faded during the back end of the fight but well he yeah, flew it was, it, he it was flew a, down the ice like it, well, there was, was no waiting at at center ice staring down the other goalie like we've seen well, Ron Hextall is a great skater. Yeah, he, oh, he, he flew. Was, he he awesome flew skater. down the ice. But it was it was a shocking result because one, uh, Felix, no, nobody knew he could throw him, and he did just that. And the other part was that Ron ended up pretty bloodied in the bout. But one, of the, you're right, one of the great, great goalie fights, and we haven't uh, we haven't seen one in a while. We're, we keep waiting for Jordan Binnington. <laughs> if, if you were going to pick an opponent for Jordan Binnington. Which netminder would you like to see him go with? I'd kind of like to see someone big. Uh, 
I'll give you a name. Okay. Mark Andre Fleury. You know that name popped in my in my head, but I, you know, Fleury would. I well, we saw what Fleury did to <laughs> Jeff Carter the other night. Put him in the headlock, and yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I. How about Robin Leonard? Oh, that would be that would be interesting. I think there's no. I think I'm Leonard Jordan could throw down as much. Oh, for sure. Have you not seen some some highlights of of Leonard? Well, I, the day. The, I know. I know he was. Beast he mode. was. He's pals with some UFC guys. So, yeah, but you're not using that in a goalie. Fight. Well, I mean, no. But you can learn how to strike and learn how to how to throw punches. I had a chat with uh, with Robin about striking and and what kind of uh, fighter he is uh, on the chirp a couple of weeks ago. About uh, he like he's a striker. He's, he, he doesn't like the wrestling as much. Yeah, much more into uh, into the striking. But if I'm Jordan Bennington and I'm stirring it up all over the National Hockey League. I stopped just short of Rod and Leonard. Yeah, I don't think that's a guy he skates to center ice and stares down. New. No. I might just skate to center ice if he's chasing me. And and turn around and head back behind the net. And then and, and then I head to the other end yeah. if he's still chasing <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and then I head to the locker room if he's still on my heels. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that But that's you the could only do. way I'm covering a lot of ground if Robin Leonard's on the ice. Yeah, I, Leonard not a guy I would We talked about McNabb not being a guy I would want to get hit by. Leonard's not a guy I would want to drop the gloves with. That's catching up with Chapman. Uh, we have the pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Golden Knights hooking up with the Minnesota Wild from T-Mobile Arena. Ryan Wallace is coming up next, followed by Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. We'll chat with you again tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas with the VGK Insider Show. Enjoy the game, everyone.